0: That's a bummer. That's a bummer that you're not feeling so hot. Uh, what What do you got going on over there? Um,
1: I don't know, man. Just like it's like not even a nausea thing, which is great. I'm just uh, I don't know, just a little cloudy in the head. Definitely, you know, have a lot of headaches. But I've just been, I've just been crushing edibles, dude. Like I stopped smoking weed because like my chest was kind of feeling a little funny so i was like i probably shouldn't from be this, smoking right now from this
0: sickness or just
1: yeah in general or? i don't know i guess probably from the sickness but like it's also hard to tell because allergy season is
0: like in full effect for me right now too oh yeah. for sure dude i went on a run today and like breathing in all of the allergens as i'm like inhaling deeply because i'm so out of shape trying to run it was not it was not great I was really, like, I had to stop multiple times to do, like, snot rockets in random people's fucking front (laughs) yards because I was just like, I'm sorry I have to. I'm, like, I'm, everything is exiting my face right now, so. Yeah. See, I'm not even, like, so bad
1: on that front, but. Anytime the weather is so back and forth like it is right now, just kind of going from fucking gloomy and rainy to super nice and sunny. Yeah, that can get you. And the wind, like I just usually get pretty gnarly allergy headaches from it, more than the mm. congestion and the sneezing and all that bullshit. So sure, I don't know, man. I'm hoping it's just a combination of those things. Like I said, me too. If I have, if I have gotten the coronavirus. I am apparently um, fine. You know, like it's not like I don't feel great. But yeah,
0: except for all the people you've given it to.
1: Whoa, dude. Whoa. That's why we're not going to assume that I have it at this point. Um, I did see, though, I just got a note. Who are we kidding? It's
0: all fake news, right? Doesn't yeah. even exist. According
1: to London, it is.
0: Gosh. <laughs> what a trip of an episode that was. Yeah, we had to tiptoe around that a little bit. Um, But uh, much love to London, though. Yeah, for sure.
1: I I totally, like, you know, respect. Like, he has done way more research on this than I have. Okay? Yeah. So, I don't want to discredit what he has said. Um, Also, though, he said that, you know, he's really in the rabbit hole of it, too. And and so, there there can be. That's where it gets dicey. There can definitely be some blindness there. And um, I'm still going to go with, like, the idea of yeah, hopefully... On the side of caution. I'm protecting myself and others by, like, wearing my mask and really trying to not have too many social interactions more than I right. have to or whatever. But, right. like, also, you know... London and some other people could very well be the smarter people in 20 years when, when we have this, like, look back at it of like what the information really was. Like who, who knows,
0: but. Right. We don't know. Yeah, Like I told him, there's a lot of unknowns right now. And, uh, yeah, my whole thing is sort of just like, I don't know. It, it makes sense to just sort of err on the side of caution the whole world is shut down. It like the whole country is shut down anyway. So like, what the fuck am I doing, trying to rail against it? Right. It's not going to do anything, even if I did like really strongly believe that way, which I don't. Um, you know, I do think that we need to, we all need to do our part and uh, and all that good stuff. I, I'm mostly in line with the with the mainline media, but um, yeah, it is. It's interesting for sure. Uh, and and who knows who knows how this shit's gonna shake out. But I will tell you this, you know, we're coming up on a hundred thousand people that have died from this thing in the last couple months in the U.S. So you can't say that it's like not a problem.
1: Right. That and that's that's kind of that's with, where I lie. That's line.
0: with all the measures that we've taken as a country. Like we've still a hundred thousand people almost have died. Yeah. yeah. So.
1: And that's definitely where. I land on it, you know, and uh, also I just can't like my life right now cannot be going down rabbit holes to figure out if this is bullshit or not. And that's kind of I don't know. And I think that's like where I end up on conspiracy theory in general you know like i'm very sure. i'm no like i'm not a dummy like i'm fucking well aware that the government has lied to the people you know many times and over and over so. and i'm i you know i'm not stupid to that but um like i can't be out to try to prove something through conspiracy theories i will entertain them i love watching a conspiracy theory documentary i love the idea of the the denver airport being this weird fucking hub of insane chambers
0: yeah like and and bogus shit like that but with the with something like this with the pandemic it's just like who stands to gain fucking anything from this really especially with with entire countries shutting down their economies. I mean, yeah, there are corporations that will maybe somehow find some sneaky fucking way to make money off of this by buying failing businesses or whatever. But for the most part, I don't know. It's it's hard for me to find a compelling story that someone is behind this, which goes to uh if we start talking about our weeks, at least today uh, for me, like, this thing surfaced on social media, this plandemic conspiracy video that everyone's been sharing. I, 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 I have not seen this. You, you've seen nothing yeah. about yeah. it. No. Okay, w- so basically, the plandemic conspiracy video is, like, some fucking dude interviewing a quote-unquote world-renowned scientist... It's a real scientist. She has a PhD uh, and she did work for like some organizations that are that are underneath sort of like what uh, Dr. Fauci is doing right now. But um, yeah, basically like she ended up going to jail because she like stole notebooks from the the lab. And like there's just like a lot of claims that they make even in the first like 60 seconds of this like clip that's been It's a 15-minute clip that's been going around. In the first 60 seconds, there's probably six or seven claims that are made that are easily debunked, like, right out of the gate. Like, it's—right out of the gate, it's like, you know, her—her PhD dissertation, like, revolutionized the care in uh, the HIV world. It didn't. It didn't. It was basically, like, a confirmation study on shit that already existed, so— that's a pretty wild claim and it's just like basically everything that they are saying you can you can just fact check it really quickly and be like oh, okay so that's just not true um but this thing has been circulating like fucking wildfire and what's interesting to me is someone who when I left religion um I definitely went deep into the like conspiracy theory rabbit hole on the internet I just like I don't know I was super depressed at the time uh, I just had, like, my heart broken, and I was, like, sort of sorting through all of this, like, new shit, and I went deep into, like, all the, like, all the way down to, like, lizard people are ruling the world, like, I entertained it all, I really did, I watched every YouTube fucking conspiracy video that you can think of and so i just like know the flavor and as soon as this fucking video started like 60 seconds in i was just like yeah it's a conspiracy video you can just tell by the way that it's like (laughs) styled that it's a conspiracy video and pretty quickly like as they start getting into things i mean it's it's giving people compelling answers to what's happening what's happening right now um but it's not it's not rooted in anything that's reality Um, but it's problematic because this thing has been circulated a bunch and then YouTube blocked it and Facebook blocked it and like all these like, you know, platforms blocked it. Um, Maybe Facebook didn't block it, but YouTube and Twitter blocked it. Uh, And so then people were like, see, must be the truth if they're blocking it. And it's like, no, they're blocking it because it goes against all of the mainstream science that we have right now. And by mainstream, I mean mainstream in a good way. Like (laughs) <laughs> yeah. The the conglomeration of like every studied uh, microbiologist and people who study uh, pandemics and, and diseases and things like this goes against all of that wisdom. And also it's just like pure gibberish. Like it's pure gibberish. But I've seen uh, I've seen a few people in my like on Facebook and Instagram Who I know from my past. I mean, no one who I'm like close with. Anyone who I'm close with, if they shared that shit, I would just be like, "Listen, call me right now. Like, call me seriously." Oh, you wouldn't. Let
1: me talk. You wouldn't like publicly shame them. No, I would just be like, "Call me,
0: please call me, so I can talk you through this." Because I would, (laughs) I would have a real conversation with them, and I'm like, "Look, I'm not, I'm not trying to call you out as an idiot," because I understand that like this is this is like a it seems like compelling information. Um, but it's very fraudulent. So, and it's just clearly someone trying to capitalize on something, but that video went around, uh, super heavy the last couple days and caught some serious fire. Um, and it's just, yeah, as people looking, you know, it's more comfortable to sit in the known to be like, uh, you know, we know that, uh, Bill Gates and, Dr. Fauci are profiting off of this. They planned for this to happen. Now they're going to like profit a bunch off of this fucking vaccine that they're going to have to create for this thing. And this was basically like created in a lab and blah, 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 blah. Um, And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't go quite as far to say that it was created in a lab, but they do say that like, well, it was an existing thing, an existing virus that then they took into a lab to make it. Adaptable to infect humans. Yeah, is essentially like the the case, which is, uh, it's just not, it's not legit, it's not legit, um, and it's really easy. They've already, if you're interested in this, if you've seen the fucking pandemic video and you think that it's legit, I encourage you to go look up some of the, uh, some of the fact checks that have been done on it, because pretty much everything that they say in the video. Um, There are credible scientists that are out there and people just fact checking shit like she says that she was the scientist says that she was like drug out of her home um, (laughs) by like a by like a SWAT team and thrown in jail for nothing for no reason. The reality is, is that she actually stole notebooks from this lab, which is a is a federal offense, and she turned herself in. That's the reality. That's crazy. So it's like, for every little thing, there's there's something that's like, and I know, yeah, conspiracy minded people will be like, well, that's what they tell you is the reality, you know, but it's, it's everyone's word versus everyone's word. I just always go with Occam's razor. For me, Occam's razor on this is like, the simplest answer is that this is a real thing that is ravaging the fucking world. And it was not a manufactured thing. It's just like people people who study pandemics have been saying that this is going to happen for a long time and world governments haven't really done anything to prepare themselves. And then here we are.
1: Right. And, uh, yeah, for sure. This is another opportunity for the conspiracy theorists, to uh, you know, create some some bogus arguments too. Like this is a great time for that, obviously. Oh yeah. And there's just so much misinformation out there that people buy buy into it too as well. And uh, I don't know. It's a confusing time. It's weird because we're so deep. Like we've we're pretty deep into this thing now, like six weeks or so. Almost two eight months. weeks into this yeah. like quarantine situation, and. It seems like the revolt against it is starting to grow a little bit larger. Like, there's this rebellious group everywhere now. Like, I'm sure most people by now have seen the videos of Huntington Beach, like Orange County, California, of the beaches being opened up, and then all these people crowding to them and just a bunch of protesters everywhere not you know
0: like in every state it seems just which makes sense my parents live in orange county and my mom was texting me today with a basically a giant eye roll and i would say my parents are um i would say they lean conservative but they're very open-minded um and like i mean speaking for my mom I don't know about my dad, uh, but I know like my mom definitely like voted for Obama and shit like so, th- and I think my dad has voted Democratic in the past, probably for Obama at some point. Like they definitely didn't vote for Trump. Like they're not like hardline Republicans, but they live in Orange County where like it's super, it's super, super Republican country down there. It, I yeah. People it, don't think of Southern California that way, but Orange County is this weird little bubble. That's like the Mecca um, for
1: like mega churches.
0: Yeah, for sure. And so my mom is just like, it's fucking madness. These people just out here protesting, being like, you know, give me, give me Liberty or give me death type shit. Kind of the same shit we were talking about with London. And what I said to her And what she – she I I wouldn't even say what I said to her. I think what we both agreed upon was just, like, kind of what we were talking about with Luke. It's, like, it's just a staggering lack of empathy um, and also, like, a serious act of, like, selfishness. Because the reality is, is, like, look, yes, it's very uncomfortable, and I don't want to be stuck at home anymore. I would very much like – to not be stuck at home i would very much like to go visit my parents in southern california and go anywhere outside of fucking portland um but you know if it's gonna help save lives for me to do my part and stay home and for me to wear a mask when i go to the grocery store even if that turns out on the back end to not be true like i'm still gonna do it now right why wouldn't i do it now
1: yeah no I totally agree man That's where I'm at with it and like you said it's not like the people I want to see are also doing this thing they're not trying to like go on a vacation right now right you know no one's planning out of town trips right now we're hoping we're hoping we're gonna get there right but like I don't know for the most part summer summer's canceled as far as I'm concerned at this point
0: Summer's fucking canceled. I mean, yeah, it, I think we're going to be able to figure out a way um, to hopefully maybe open things back up to a degree where, like, you and I can get together and hang out in a park Uh, Six feet away from each other And it won't be like a frowned upon thing Right, That'll be like an okay thing Because right now that's sort of like You know at least in Portland people are like No you shouldn't even do that And I sort of feel like well if you're just Going like door to the Place and like taking all the right Measures then like what that should Be fine and the more we find out About the virus like hopefully We'll figure out what we can actually do So we can still see People and a bright a uh, piece of news that has come out of Oregon this week is that uh, you know on Wednesday they opened up a bunch of state parks that right. have been closed, which is very cool. So um, yeah, that means potentially this summer, you know, again practicing like strict social distancing, but like people might still be able to go camping and shit. Right. Um, and there's no reason that like. People shouldn't be able to do some of those things without taking the proper health measures, Um, because the reality is, is like you can't keep people in clear. You can't even keep people in their homes for six fucking weeks before they start losing their minds. Let alone like months at a time. So, um, hopefully, we'll get some of that shit figured out so that we can like ease some of the pressure on these uh, fuckwads who are just like refusing to. uh, to stand by it but then there's not much that they can do because you know shit's closed down so yeah they can't get their haircuts
1: it's wild man there's uh yeah some people are thriving in quarantine really digging into like being hunkered down in their home and and some mm-hmm. people are like are freaking out and ready to break out and i understand i understand both situations I do. you know I do as well and uh i don't know it's fine. I'm I'm leaning in. I mean, obviously That's I'm all still we can do. I'm still praying for myself that I can play hockey soon. I mean, you can still keep those prayers coming and uh you can keep your emails coming or one email coming at all it would be great at this point if people send an email to this show. Uh Are you still there, Daryl? Have I lost you? We yeah. lost you. I lost you.
0: Cool. Well, you were saying we're. Uh, you are talking about emails. We've got one email. No, we need we need a, an email <laughs> to really get the Somebody ball rolling. Somebody send us an email. Somebody sent us an email. us an email. I don't
1: even care what it's about. I don't care if it's about Christianity, the Bible. Could be a meme. Yeah, whatever it is, it's Bible Who buds. Cares? Bible buds. PDX at gmail.com send one through or send us a dm on the uh, at bible buds instagram do that um cool but yeah man we're moving should we along.
0: dive into the should we dive into the good word oh
1: the good word are you ready the work of the lord i would love to lord sh- jesus i would love to dive into the book of the lord I, right. also, I also I want to say thank you to London for sending me a nice text message last night asking me about how my pisser was. And I said to him... How is your
0: pisser? Is it I, okay? <laughs>
1: uh, I mean, it's, a, it's an up and down situation. It seems to have tapered off a little bit. I'm going to start some antibiotics and I hope that helps do the trick. I'll tell you what. Goddamn. Well, I hope so, too. Well, I'll keep the listeners updated, I'm sure. I'm sure to let anybody know if they have to end up sticking a camera in my pee hole.
0: (laughs) You know, it's funny. I really hope. I will pray that that doesn't have to happen. I legitimately will. You know, I know that obviously
1: would not be the most pleasant experience, but I was talking to a friend the other day and uh, explaining the situation to him, and he was just like, you know what, man? He's like over the last years I've had some medical issues and you know I've been prodded and poked in some places that uh haven't been too great but but honestly like most of it's a fucking mind game man and you make so much of that that f- pain up in your head or that fearfulness mm-hmm. for it to this situation that like yeah it's probably going to be uncomfortable but it's probably not going to be
0: that fucking bad you know right Because if it was that fucking bad, they couldn't be doing it to all these people. Right. Right. So. Otherwise, they'd be protesting in the streets with their dumb fucking signs and American flags. Anyways. (laughs) Saying,
1: don't put anything in my dickhole.
0: (laughs) We will not stand for dickhole things.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Those are my politics. Don't put anything in my dickhole.
0: Yeah. That's where we stand. Um.
1: But we're going to pick up our axe discussion that we we started a couple weeks back.
0: That is correct. Uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, there's some dense shit in
1: here, man. We're going to get into Stephen's speech, and that's a whole fucking thing.
0: That is a whole fucking thing. Um, yeah, so we're picking up in Acts chapter 6. You got it. Um, and, yeah, I think, you know, I didn't have a ton on chapter 6, um... Other than that, like, yeah, there's, like, this choosing of people um, to kind of go out and, and preach the gospel, and... Because, like, the
1: movement um, is just getting too big to handle. This is where we start seeing, like, the power being, you right. know, like, distributed and, to and give shit some going...
0: Context, to give some context, basically, what's happening in the book of Acts, and, like, really the only purpose of the book of Acts is to form as like some kind of bridge between the gospel and then the next part of the new Testament. And so the book of Acts is just like sort of a history of the early church is what's happening. It was written by Luke, uh, the author of the gospel of Luke, or that's who it's attributed to at least. And, uh, sort of picks up like right where Luke left off. Right. So what's happening now is they're just sort of detailing yeah, the history of the church and it goes, like, there's sort of a lot of like boring history, and and chapter six is a lot of that in terms of them just being like, and we picked this person to be, you know, this disciple, and we picked this person right. to be this, and and Stephen gets picked as a uh, as someone who's going to give this speech to the uh, synedrion. I'm probably saying that incorrectly, but the Sinedrim are like basically a, a council of elder jewish folks um that sort of sit in like a court um so they're basically pharisees right yeah they're like they're lawmen of the jewish faith and so he's going to give this chapter seven is like he's going to give this speech and it, and before he even goes into this it's already chapter six they're already saying like Stephen, you gotta stop you gotta stop preaching the Jesus nonsense for
1: sure. Cause he's just we like, just can't do it. He's joyfully spreading the good word, you know? And he's, he's fucking like casually doing some miracles and just letting the Holy spirit, like really fucking move through them. And you yeah, know, and they're like, no, you can't do that. Yeah. And they're like, no. And, uh, they just claim that he's like speaking blasphemy against Moses and God.
0: That's right. And so then Jesus as a, or sorry, not Jesus, Stephen, as a retort to that, Goes in front of this council of Jewish elders And gives his speech And like his speech is I would say for the first like 60-ish verses um, He's just like retelling Jewish history Yeah it's not a speech It's a story It's a story of Jewish history to Jewish elders (laughs) Who definitely know Jewish history So I was very confused by the fact of him being like And then that's when Moses Got brought to and I was like dude you think that they don't fucking know the story of their own? Of course they know. It's all in the Old Testament. It's very weird.
1: Yeah, it's um, it is pretty interesting, and it's very easy to get wrapped up in because it's like it's so dense.
0: It's dense, and there's also a little bit of some of the retelling um, in Stephen's version, his his own interpretation of sort of the the history of the Jewish people there seems to be some inconsistency with what's actually in the old Testament. Yeah. so That's sort of interesting. Um, or n- maybe not even inconsistency, but just like details that it's like, Hey man, I feel like you should know, like you should have known that like a little bit more about that one thing. You just sort of glossed over it. Um, and even like, even down to, and this might just be an interpretation thing. Cause this was written in Greek. Uh, and obviously the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, like ancient Hebrew. Um, but, you know, he's talking about like Moses talking to the burning bush and Moses talking to uh, like getting, receiving the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. And the way that Stephen describes it is an angel. Right. And the way that the Old Testament describes it is God. him like, it's the voice of God. And so, you know, that's a trivial thing, but I, I was sort of, When I was reading it, I was like, that feels like a pretty important distinction, whether or not that was a voice of an angel or the voice of God.
1: But like, that's also got to be like one of those things. It's just like, you know, as it's getting passed down, those little things are going to be tweaked. For sure. And people's interpretations of it.
0: Yeah. And And here it is happening in real time. There's like a
1: lot of crazy shit, though, like in just in the beginning of this speech about, you know, God talking about. Everybody becoming slaves to to his country before he gives it to them and whatnot, and then it starts getting into the circumcision stuff, with the Jacob. Always
0: fam- with the always with the circumcision. Always, you know, fucking around with the dicks. And yeah, it's wild that God would tell me to not touch my dick when he allowed <laughs> others to, to to slice it. It's just like, well, what the fuck? I don't know. Anyways, was there anything in chapter 7 specifically that like in that speech that really jumped out at you that you wanted to talk about? Well, just like in the beginning, um like this whole
1: section of G- of Joseph just being sold as a slave to Egypt. Yeah, because of like the pa- his the patriarchs were jealous of him, which is like also Joseph isn't even mentioned in any of the circumcisions. And then all of a sudden they're just like, and Joseph was a slave by yeah. to the Egyptian people. Um, but then God protecting him through it. And then he births this connection with the Pharaoh that would kind of like ends up making him kind of like in good with the Pharaoh. And then the Pharaoh makes him the King of Egypt. And Joseph's just like, well, it looks like I came out on top on this one, this whole situation where you, uh, <laughs> we're just going to turn me into a slave. It looks like I'm, I'm, uh, I'm winning on this one.
0: Right. But I think the point is sort of what Stephen's trying to hammer home. Right. Is that like both Joseph and Moses were prophets of a sort and that both of them were persecuted by the Jewish people. And so then his final point is like, and then you did it again with Jesus for sure. And that and is you that just keep, you just <laughs> keep doing it
1: right. And that is definitely gets, gets hammered home a few times throughout this. I was curious if you knew much about the Testament of the 12 patriarchs. Well, versus that. Well, they, they, when he talks about Joseph being a slave, he says it's because the 12 patriarch patriarchs were jealous of him. And so I was just curious if you knew much about the 12 patriarchs, I looked a little bit and there seems like there's this whole test. There's a book, the Testament of the 12 patriarchs is like one of these books. That's
0: this about, is this the same Joseph with the coat of many colors? I'm not even sure
1: i'm not even sure about that part but i just was i i wanted to look up what the relevance of these 12 patriarchs were and um there seems that there's this other book that some people discard as just nonsense and then some people fuck with it and uh it's either written in hebrew or greek and they they don't know if it's like if it was originally from a Jewish perspective mm-hmm. and then touched upon by Christians, or if like, if, if it was like an originally just a, a Christian, I don't, I don't know, man. It's, it looks like it's a whole other rabbit hole that we should maybe like explore on an episode of this podcast. Yeah. I'm,
0: I'm on the Wikipedia page right now and it's definitely, it's deep. Yeah. Like it said, this is a big ass Wikipedia page.
1: Absolutely. I I briefly looked at it earlier, just kind of checking in on that. So we should, we should definitely circle back to that at some point and like see see what's good with that. But um, yeah, aside from that, there's like this next section right after Joseph becomes the king of Egypt and he just starts talking about this famine and just another instance where, where people just kind of suddenly all fall dead again. Like Jacob and all of Wait, his people. What?
0: what which verse is this? Uh this
1: is um the section this is verse eleven. Um and right before that
0: In chapter seven?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. It's uh okay. th- then a famine struck all Egypt and Canaan, bringing great suffering. And our fathers could not find food. When Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent our fathers on on their first visit. On their second visit, Joseph told his brothers who he was. And Pharaoh learned about Joseph's family. After his Joseph sent for his father, Jacob, and his whole family, 75 in all. Then Jacob went down to Big Egypt. Big-ass family. Jacob went down to Egypt where he and our
0: fathers died. <laughs> like... They all, they're all dead. Yeah. And then it just moves on. Their bodies were brought back, placed in a tomb that Abraham had bought from the sons of Hamor. Yeah,
1: dude, yeah. This is just like one of those spots in the Bible, like, or in this story specifically where things are just like very all over the place because the next section is just like, it just casually jumps into, and then another king who knew nothing about Joseph became the king
0: of Egypt and it's just like what how how was he just overthrown right the storytelling is uh, not uh, it's not gripping no it's not, it, it doesn't grab you it confuses
1: um, you at some point yeah, so it's definitely not a gripping been,
0: thing if you've been if you are a fan of HBO or good Netflix series, The stories in this book will not uh, be satisfying to you because they just sort of jump around. Yeah, very much so. And then they just talk about how this
1: new king was just like an asshole, and he pretty much forced all of the followers, all the disciples, to uh, to like put their throw their newborn babies out and and so that they would die. So just trying to create, you know, any. Uprising of these these new For children sure. followers,
0: and then also when it gets to Moses, which is like the next part, it talks about how like okay Moses is born, and then like very like to a Jewish family, and then very quickly is picked up by like the daughter of the Pharaoh or some shit, right, exactly, and raised raised as her own, so raised to be Egyptian, and then when he's like forty years old, he like starts to go interact with the Israelites. Yeah, there's some, there's some bullshit about, like, Israelites fighting each other over some bullshit, whatever, and it's like, oh, damn, nothing has changed. Well, it's, um,
1: it's like this situation where, like, Moses just decides at 40 he's going to murder an Egyptian, an Egyptian over the yeah. mistreatment of an Israelite because he thinks that that's just going to, like, show
0: gods. like. But also, I was wondering, I was like, how does Moses know that he's an Israelite if he was picked up and raised as an Egyptian from the time that he was fucking, you know— three weeks old or three months old or whatever, how the fuck would he know?
1: I don't know. Maybe the Egyptians were the fucking- they But also maybe the Egyptians were just, like, ruthless and always, like, rubbed it in his face to just, like, let him know, actually- Yeah, they probably you're, did. You know, like, you can have all our wisdom and power, but you're you're still just an Israelite.
0: Which, that is an interesting uh, point in the Bible where they talk about how uh, Moses was educated in all- Educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. And it's just like, it's interesting that the Bible recognizes that there is some, like, crazy ancient wisdom with the Egyptians. Um, Especially when... So, I've been taking a course on ancient Egypt, uh, an online course, just because I'm, like, super interested in ancient Egypt. Um, And, I don't know, Egyptologists don't seem to have tapped into much of like the wisdom of their religion they're mostly just like yeah egyptians were like fascinated with death and they believed that like their bodies would be resurrected which is why like in into the afterlife like their physical bodies would be which is why uh they had mummies and shit it's why they developed mummification was trying to preserve the body so that it would be something that could be resurrected and to me that doesn't seem like super wise so there had to be something in ancient egyptian religion that like is missed in the current like uh historical understanding um that the bible's like kind of nodding to right now in terms of like like it, there's a congruence there right where they're saying like well Moses was tight because he was Jewish and he was also like raised with Egyptian wisdom and they're not like looking down on it no
1: it's like they're a, saying it's like, like a it's balanced tight. perspective almost
0: yeah it's almost like the, the equivalent of being like yeah listen like he was born you know he was born in Seattle uh, to a beautiful Christian family um, but he was raised in the East under the Buddhist traditions of like, you know, like yeah. it's like that kind of shit, you know,
1: he's like a chosen one, but raised by the people, you know, with all the wisdom, like the right people.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, uh, but it's
1: also funny. Like I love, I love this moment where he, he like murders the Egyptian to prove something to the people you know to not mistreat the israelites but it's like this overcorrection where like even after that when he approaches israelites they're like yo what are you going to do kill me you're going to murder me now like are you yeah. mur- you're a
0: murderer like you're Mr. murderer oh, okay <laughs> okay Mr. murderer Mr. who yeah yeah they're like mocking him basically like oh you you're just the ruler of everything who gave you the right
1: yeah but i i don't know i like that that's uh that's shown I guess that like even like I think that happens like a a couple other times that we've talked about where it does like show people's flaws and that they are not like even these people that are like the the worship prophets and the the people that you know seem to have a lot of clout in the bible like they're not they don't always make the right decisions like there there is some some mishaps and this is this is one of Moses's mishaps
0: right right Yeah, no doubt.
1: Um, And then from there, that's when it does get into, you know, his interpretation of the burning of the bush story that you were talking about. And that's kind of the epic, you know, referred to story of, of Moses getting this message.
0: Yeah, to me, that seems like it's a very important story. And it's just interesting that it's sort of like then translated in this way of, Hearing the voice of the Lord through an angel, I'm just like, well, that's a weird adaptation. Um, just a quick side note on that: um, there is this really. I think I got hip to this through some podcasts. I don't know, might have been Joe Rogan or some shit. But um, there's a theory out there that like the uh, the bush, the burning bush, was this like acacia bush. Yeah, buddy. Which. Contains Within it DMT Which is a very very potent psychedelic And that Moses Was just Breathing in He's Some blasted, heavy psychedelic bro. smoke And was fucking blasted Blasted and just Really really in it Which I love And I think a lot of great thinkers have, have Proposed that like Not only religion but like almost Everything as we know it uh, in terms of culture and whatever like it's all been a product of, of psychedelics without psychedelics like we wouldn't have any of it because psychedelics are so so mind expanding that like for someone to even conceive of language they would need like for an early man to conceive of language they would need something like psychedelics to be like hey how about like what about this and then they'd be like oh my god i could like make sounds that really mean something <laughs>
1: Dude, you know? yeah. it's like an
0: early psychedelic thought. He, I, yeah, I
1: think there is, like, when you're deep in it, I think there is, like, this clarity with, like, communication and just the, sim- sure. the simplicity of everything, but it's also just funny that, you know, Moses, Moses went so deep, he, he was so blasted on this DMT smoke that he fucking had this 40, another 40 years passes during this DMT trip.
0: Dude, so that's what I was going to say. What, what are the these
1: 40-year increments?
0: This timeline of Moses is basically like, okay, so he gets a, he gets adopted into Egyptian family. 40 years in, he's like, I'm going to interface with the Israelites. 40 years later, he's going to lead them out into the desert. So now he's 80 fucking years old, old as fuck. And then 40 years later, he's doing more shit. And it's like, okay, well, now he's definitely like way too old to be doing shit. 120 years old?
1: No. Yeah. And, and Jesus is just like, yo, like, get these people out of Egypt. You know, go find my people. And some of them reject it. They're not into it. And they're like, no, fuck this. Fuck this Moses, dude. I don't know where he went. I'm not going into the desert. I don't care if the tabernacle Which is there.
0: I very much understand. Um, if I had been led into the desert by a prophet, if I was still in the desert after... Two weeks, I might be like, hey, what's the fucking plan there, friend? Yeah.
1: But I guess this is like where, this is where that, uh, the faith comes in, man. You're just like having, I know, but having 40, that.
0: 40 years of faith, that's <laughs> intense as fuck. Yeah.
1: For sure. I almost didn't even take it as, like, necessarily as all these people had to go out there for 40 years. I just felt like that was maybe the amount of time Moses was spending out there. And the idea was that, like, he— get- No, but that is—that
0: is the story, though. Right. It's the story in Exodus. Like, the, is- the Israelites spend—the Jewish people spend 40 years in the desert wandering. Yeah. And I don't know, man. I, yeah, this is just like
1: that—like— those people end up creating their own idol, this call this calf. Right. And they're just like, no, we want this now. Like we want to like show us God. We want to be, become God before him, before ourselves and shit. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. uh, Jesus is like, nah, you got to pay the deuce. Like this all seems to be like this whole, like you got to fucking take the time to explore, explore your shit. You can't, you can't just like cut the corners and real, like, really is just like, you are wasting your time while you could be, uh, processing your shit and out in the desert, having this trip, you're wasting your time trying to figure out how to cut corners, spending your time, you know, creating this, Yeah,
0: wasting some bullshit.
1: Yeah. Creating these false idols and whatnot.
0: Yeah. That resonates with today. Yeah. Um, No doubt. I mean, I think that's
1: just like a, like, it's always an easy thing to see that quickest way to get somewhere too, though. For sure. You know, that's like a story that's been told over time in many different ways of just that, you know, that shortest route not always being the right one and whatnot. It never,
0: it almost never is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so then Stephen goes on, basically, to finish his story, Um, you know, he talks about how, um, yeah, basically, like, saying that Moses was, like, this, like, really important prophet, um, and then quoting, uh, I think quoting the book of Isaiah, whatever, he says, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or will where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? And that's when he says, and I'm going to switch over to uh to the King James version now cuz we um, got something we got something juicy. Or oh, do you have something to add before I get into yeah, that? Yeah,
1: right before you get into that, I just want to I just want to add that right after kind of, you know, this this him talking about Um, Right before verse forty-nine, which is what you're referring to, and you know him telling this story of of the false idols and whatnot, because a lot of you know from the previous parts they're talking about false witnesses testifying against Stephen, you know about these acts that he's created and whatnot, and when they start talking about the false idols, or when Stephen starts talking about that, that was the moment I realized that i was like oh fuck like this is just like steven's tangent of a story like i forgot that i was even listening to steven's speech on trial right. you know like i thought i was the just reading this, this story and i was just like oh yeah this is fucking Stephen! like no, telling he's talking this-
0: to these to this council of elders <laughs> it
1: was just it was just like a very funny moment for me to for like sure. have that realization well, so then-
0: for sure, cause then it really this is the moment where it really snaps in because he stops telling the story and he looks at the elders and he says, Ye stiff necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost, as your fathers did, so do ye. What the she- Which I just God damn, that fucking moment of being like your heart and ears are uncircumcised. That's just like such a dope ancient diss. You know, yeah, being like, yeah, your dick might be circumcised, but like the rest of your shit is not circumcised.
1: Yeah. You're fucking tone deaf.
0: The most, Im- the most important parts of you, the fucking heart and ears, are uncircumcised. <laughs> just yeah, got, it just got to me. It's it's powerful, but it's also just like hilarious it's hilarious ancient jargon for sure
1: for sure um yeah i definitely really dug the like that whole section of like verse 49 when he's talking about the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool i felt like that was just like kind of some of that like next level state of mind thinking that we've kind of like talked about a couple of times you know just feeling yeah. like you're buzzing and kind of operating on this this different level and everything's kind of like really clicked in for you and like the little things don't bother you you know and you're kind of just like really seeing things for what they are and just being able to like really drown out the noise going on
0: this reality is just a footstool (laughs) yeah it's just like you know there's more important shit on 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 the other side
1: and also just like similar to what you've referenced in the past of like maybe sometimes your anxiety coming from your lens getting too cloudy and i mm-hmm. feel like like having like that level of mindset like everything is very clear like the lens is super simple and super clear mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so there's that and then there's like that whole latter half where he's like leaning into them like you were just talking about of telling them how their fucking ears are uncircumcised <laughs> and whatnot. And that's just like, I don't know. I feel like that was, that's like one of those things of like, how many times do you do like the same shit over and over that, you know, is like, you're fucking up and you just keep repeating this thing over and it over. Anyway. And it's just like, yeah. are you fucking d- like, I'm going to think of that now when I do that, when I do this yeah. shit that bothers me that you I do over like, and well, over. I have and an
0: over. uncircumcised heart.
1: Yeah. My, I am, uh, uncircumcised at the heart.
0: Yeah. No doubt. Yeah, so basically the story goes on and, like, Stephen gets fucking... gets got from telling this speech. Like, because after he tells this long story of the history of the Jewish people and how the Jewish people have, like, not listened to... Historically, not listened to a lot of prophets. um, And then they also didn't listen to Jesus and killed Jesus. uh, Then... They yeah, stone Stephen, they, they dude. They just stone him. They and not just like stone him. yeah,
1: like he's not he's not getting blasted or buttered up. Like they they, you know, he's not buttered up on weed. He's getting fucking smashed. They no, smashed this smash this motherfucker's teeth in. Like that's another like probably another no, great King James but, moment.
0: But I do think one thing that's interesting is that uh <laughs> So first off, verse 59, he's like um Stephen says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Uh, then he fell, he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them, which is a very J-Man move. Dude, fucking love, move. I
1: love that part. That reminded then, me.
0: Yeah, go ahead. Well, but then it goes on to say, and then when he said this, he fell asleep. And I was like, "Yo, he didn't <clears throat> fall asleep. What is this? what is this version of the Bible? And I even went to the King James version to be like, surely they're not positing that he just fell asleep. But the King James version said the same shit.
1: I don't know, man. I just like the idea of like, even when they're stoning him and stuff, they talk about, it just seems like Stephen is just surrounded and protected by the glory of God and the Holy spirit, like in him. And Mm -hmm. he's just like, he's not even phased by what's happening. He's just
0: like, come at me.
1: And for him to like, in those final moments, just be like, yeah, protect these sinners too. fuck them. You know, like that almost reminded me of like Luke's attitude of like some of his severed ties with family members of like not being upset with them. I was like, whoa, that's like some next level shit right there of, you know, no, no doubt people resenting you. To a degree where they like cut you out and you, you say, no, like these people, you know, pray for these people too.
0: Yeah. Cause they need it. Yeah. They need it for sure. But then it goes on in, in chapter eight and the first verse in chapter eight just says, and Saul was there giving approval to his death. So clearly Stephen was not asleep. He was was doing (laughs) the long sleep. He was doing the final sleep. That was lights out. Yeah. It was lights out. Dirt nap he's
1: done and this it like sets off a whole thing though like it kind of sets off a divide like people some people are really upset by the death of steven oh yeah and like him him dying for his his truth his conviction and shit you know and and really just sticking up for his his shit
0: for sure for sure um just to give some some background on saul because uh, Saul is a very important character in the New Testament. Um, Saul is basically a Pharisee who was born in what is modern-day Turkey and raised in Jerusalem. And so he considers himself like an Israelite. Uh, he's Jewish, and he considers himself an Israelite. Uh, and he's yeah, he's basically a Pharisee. Um, and so he is just like... This story is sort of the beginning of Saul uh, just railing against the early church. Like, Saul is a, Pharise- is, a is a head Pharisee that's just going to, like, fuck up the early church and go after anybody who is preaching this nonsense of Jesus Christ. Um, and that's the beginning of chapter 8, right? Is he's, Saul's just, like, going to start throwing people in prison and shit.
1: Yeah, he's kind of just fucking cruising house to house, letting people know what the fuck is up.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: And then they start speaking about some of the other chosen members of this group. Yeah. And the next one is Philip. That's yeah. right. And he cruises to uh Samaria or Samaria, however you would like to say that goofy city where he is just uh doing his thing out there. And uh, and he's just doing the miraculous things, you know, let letting people know what's good cruising cruising through uh the spots and uh there's kind of like great joy in these places where he's going like nobody's really objecting too much to it mm-hmm. and then uh and then this simon the sorcerer fella
0: i want to know what the sorcery is like what kind of sorcery is simon doing
1: hmm. that's a good question
0: I w- like, is he just doing little, little like, illusions and magic tricks to make people think that he, like, knows some shit? Or was he tapped into some weird—was he one of these, like, Egyptian magicians who, like, actually knew how to, like, manipulate fucking matter in a way, but it wasn't, like, tapped into the, to the right side of God, but it was tapped into some sort of it. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just
1: curious what that shit that is. Well, you know what, though? Like, also, man— magicians at that time like the ones that we know of today maybe like some right. slide some sleight of hand shit right like when people see that now a lot of times people are like blown away like the the people that are good at it is like yo how the fuck yo, did you make this included. happen right yeah there's no reason to, like if it's not a hacky magician like, most people have seen some shit For that you sure. can YouTube that will blow I your mean, mind. Yeah, I,
0: right now I would be like, I could watch a, ma- a good magician do something in front of me and be like, I don't, I mean, I know that it's not real magic. Right, I it's an illusion. I know elusion. that it's side of hand, but even then I still am blown away by it and I can't explain it. Right. And in the ancient world, if someone was just straight up claiming like, no, it's magic, I would be like, fuck, I mean... Yeah, I just saw it with yeah. my
1: eyes. So, like, with that context, it's like, oh, that's crazy, man. Like, the, like a, a person that could do something like that probably had right. some,
0: like, real power in their communities. For sure. For um, sure. But, yeah, that's like... That's maybe the only time in history when it really paid to be a magician, you know? Because now being a magician is sort of like you're sort of a neck beardy, like you know, fedora-wearing motherfucker. Uh, but back then, you maybe held some power.
1: Yeah. I mean, now there's, like, very few that are the ones that are like, no, like, David Blaine. Yeah, but even
0: David Blaine, people are sort of just like, <laughs> what are you doing with your life? Right. What are you doing with your life? You're just doing these fucking illusions. Like, who cares? We I mean, don't
1: care. And David Blaine is like, I don't give a fuck. These, these tricks are paying the bills. But yeah. they even reference, like, you know, people... Like, Simon spoke of himself highly, and people treated him that way. Like, he had some power in the community, but then he saw, like, the great power that he felt like Philip had in spreading this Holy Spirit. And he was, like, way into that. And he's just like, I'm on board with this, and I'm going to follow this dude. And Philip did such a great job that he's got, you know, Peter and John come into the city to, like, really give the city their blessing. That's right. And this is kind of that spot where we realize that that Simon's a bit of a fraud. You know, he's really just in it for the, the celebrity of it a bit. Because as soon as uh, Peter and John drop the Holy Spirit on these people and touch them with it, Simon immediately is just like, yo, I will give you money right now yeah. if you show me how to do this.
0: Yeah, so on that note, like I had right leading up to that... uh, Chapter 8, verse 16, it says, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, they'd simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus, which I was like, oh, that sounds like a lot of current Christians. Um, Then it says, then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And I was like, yeah, I don't think that that's how it works. Um, And maybe I'm like, uh, maybe there's something lost in translation here. But sort of going back to our like, you know, myriad of mystical conversations around how we encounter God or the divine or whatever. It's certainly not through someone like placing their hands on you, um, and it could be sometimes through an encounter with another person. But mostly, it's like your own sort of personal encounter with the divine. And I feel like this, the way that this is translated into English there's something clearly that's super lost that's very much the seed of some kind of weird fundamentalism um because yeah like you cannot transfer an encounter with the divine like with your hands right that's not a fucking thing that can happen
1: and i think i think even peter and john are telling trying to tell simon that like through his request right
0: Right, maybe they're saying, like, no, 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 it wasn't our hands. It was, like, yeah. God, like, showing up in some way through us, whatever. But it's
1: like, not only can we not sell this to you, that's not even how this works.
0: Right. It's like, no, yeah, it's not even possible. Yeah, good point. And, good
1: point. Uh, yeah, that's chapter 20. After he Simon kind of requests this, Peter answers, may your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money you have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord perhaps he will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart for i see that you are in, you are full of bitterness and captive to sin then simon answered Pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said will happen to me.
0: He's like, oh, God, I fucked up. Please, please, please help me out.
1: But also, like, there's no resolve, really in verse 25 for what he requests of them because the next part is just when they have when they had testified and proclaimed the word of the Lord Peter and John returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel in many Samar- Samaritan villages they just went
0: they just looked at Simon and said, "Yeah, okay." And yeah. they went on doing what they're doing. Yeah,
1: I like I like their dismissal for him. <laughs> yeah. You can suck a dick, Simon. They're like, "Silly Simon, you'll get in line when you're ready."
0: Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Put your money aside, though. Um,
1: yeah, I I, uh, I thought that part was funny.
0: I do like this story of Philip and the Ethiopian. Uh, yeah, this is basically good. Yeah, Philip uh, encounters an Ethiopian eunuch who is like sort of the equivalent of if you've seen Game of Thrones. It sounds like he's sort of sort of a mixture of um, Peter Baelish and and the eunuch in. Uh, what's that dude's name in Game of Thrones? Who's would, in Game of Thrones. I would just
1: like to tell you that these references mean nothing to me.
0: Okay, so you've <laughs> not seen Game of Thrones. So yeah, he's like a mixture of Peter Baelish and and the actual eunuch in Game of Thrones. He's like a very important counsel to the Queen of Ethiopia. Um, and Peter catches him reading Isaiah in his chariot. And it's like feels called by God to go approach him. And as he approaches him, he catches him reading a very specific verse in Isaiah that's sort of a prophecy about the coming of Jesus. Um, and I just, I love this verse 831. Um, so I'll, I'll read 830 just to, to give some context. It says, Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. And he said, do you understand what you are reading? And the eunuch says, <laughs> how can I, unless someone explains it to me? And I was just like, A, fucking man.
1: Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like, how the that's fuck how am I, I supposed feel, to understand?
0: That's how I feel reading most of this shit is I'm like, is anyone here to explain this to me? Because uh, I don't understand what the fuck is going on.
1: Um, so, yeah. I just wonder- liked
0: that. It made me feel... It made me feel... Like I'm in good company.
1: Um, but yeah, then it goes into that scripture. He right. was he was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Right. Is that something that came up a lot? In your,
0: your past of, like, high school teachings, things like that? I mean, so I wouldn't say people went deep on that, but it definitely the idea of, like, Jesus being the sheep or the lamb that was slaughtered, um, yeah, as, like, a metaphor. Like someone's,
1: someone's already gone silent for you so that you can yeah, use your exactly. voice and, and stand up for your truth and whatnot?
0: Exactly exactly which is basically so, what Stephen Steven
1: got fucked on for dude
0: yeah i don't know if anyone even took it that far i mean for me like my entire religious upbringing was basically just like very simple christianity in terms of like we're all sinners jesus lived a perfect life right and then he died for your sins Bogus, which is dude. such a it's such a weird gross like miss appropriation of what is actually said in this Bible. Cause even in that verse, like you're already talking, you're already leaning towards something that's way different.
1: Yeah. Well, it's funny too. Cause like that, there's so much conformity within the thing. And I feel like that speaks against conformity of some, in some way, you know? Sure. But yeah, there is, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like most people are not brought up with that, pete holmes understanding of punk rock jesus fucking up the the system you know and it's more of just like yeah this dude was perfect and then he died for you and now you need to do right by
0: him for sure which very much goes to i was listening to um i was listening to carry the fire today dustin kenzer's podcast and great podcast and interviewed great podcast highly recommend if you are interested at all in what we're talking about you should definitely listen to that because it's way more legit <laughs> um and he's he's interviewing uh reza asland who's like a very interesting uh muslim scholar she's badass um, who who i get down with very much and and what he says is basically just like uh Oh fuck. I'm losing my train of thought.
1: Whoa, um, man. Is it the weed?
0: <laughs> it might be. It might be. Um Fuck, what were we just talking about right before that?
1: Uh we were just I was just talking about like people going silent before you.
0: Oh, 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 I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. So Razor Aslan is talking about like sort of the difference between judaism and islam and christianity in terms of their understanding of god um and how judaism and islam if you like really like dive into those texts and their understanding of god it's much more mystical it's much more tied to like the oneness of everything and in english it gets misappropriated and like misunderstood when they describe god as the one um Like, what Reza says, like, in in the original, like, language, what they're talking about is, like, basically, God is the interconnectedness of everything. That's what they're describing. And then translated into English, it's it's just the one, but that just, you know, gets interpreted as, like, oh, there's only one God or whatever, Uh. but that's not really what they're talking about, whereas in Christianity, and not, certainly not all of Christianity, but I think, Uh, Most of modern Christianity, he says, you know, God has been sort of like anthropomorphized into Jesus. And like, if you want to think of God, then just think of Jesus, who was the most perfect person to ever live and then died for your sins so that you could... I don't know, access God in some way or be forgiven for all of your bullshit or however yeah. you want to slice it. But all of that mystical shit gets lost as soon as you anthropomorphize God into Jesus instead of understanding Jesus as like this, like the Christ as this roadmap towards divinity. Um, yeah, it gets it gets super fucked up. Um, and we're already seeing the seeds of that in this book, right. In the history of the early church, we're already seeing some sort of like, especially the way that it's translated into English. um, and, And in this specific translation, the NIV that we're reading, we're already seeing some of that, like anthropomorphizing of God in terms of understanding Jesus in this, like he is God. And like, we should all just like worship this person who lived and died for our sins. And like, yeah, it's interesting to hear Reza talk about um, Islam in that way, which is very similar to my understanding. I'm not super well versed on Islam, but um, I know I know a decent amount about Judaism. And like it sounds like his, you know, his personal Islamic understanding of God is very similar to the to the like Judaic understanding of God which is just this very mystical sort of, like, oneness of all things. Um, and it's very indescribable. And he brought up an interesting point on that podcast, too, which is about how, like, if I say God to you, like, what that means to me and what that means to you is, like, never going to be the same thing between two people. It's always going to be different.
1: Well, definitely, especially, I don't know, for some of the more mystical shit, that we've talked about too, or just God being an energy, you know, like it's whatever that energy is to you. So it's yeah, it's it is always going to be something different. It's just uh yeah. It's interesting too, just like how I don't know, a lot like some of the other religions do have many gods with them within them. And Christianity seems to like really look down upon that. But it definitely like just misses that whole message of like if these things connect you to the one thing, still it doesn't none of that matters, like right, there's right. not just one pure way to get to the divinity
0: absolutely absolutely, and, and
1: then you have like the the Catholics, my people. <laughs>
0: My goofy hey. people,
1: you know, and and I, I should know, I have more knowledge about this, but they rely so much upon the saints and, and praise to so many saints, but still are like trying to preach the one God thing. And it's just like, I don't know, man, you're kind of doing the yeah, same thing. You're doing the same thing here. Like you're, it's all connectivity to the one, to the unity thing through these people. Right.
0: Right. Well, and that's where I feel like Catholicism actually leaves way more room for mysticism than, like, kind of standard Western American evangelical Christianity or Protestantism or whatever you want to call it, um, which is very much sort of drawn this line of just being like, no, it's super simple. Like, we're all imperfect. Jesus was perfect, was the son of God, died for our sins, and now we all get to go to heaven and be forgiven. Um, but it sort of breaks down as soon as you are like really diving into the Bible and being like, well, wait, is heaven and hell, like are those even real things? Like that's not thats not super scripturally sound, um, that understanding of like at least the evangelical understanding of heaven and hell. It's not scripturally sound. Um, and also like the anthropomorphized, um, understanding of God is like, there's another way to read the new Testament, at least the gospels. Right. Which is sort of how we've been reading it where, yeah, Jesus isn't the anthropomorphized version of God. Like Jesus is more, is much closer to like, I guess the Buddha, like someone who became became enlightened someone who tapped into the divine at a very very deep and profound level and then provided a roadmap for others to do the same um but was never meant to be something that should be worshipped and like revered um which yeah i mean i've heard so many interesting conversations and read so many like excerpts and books and whatever on this topic about how You know, the way that I would sum it up basically is just that like, yeah, if Jesus came back today, uh, and Pete Holmes talks about this, like, if Jesus came back today and saw that there was like a religion around his life, he would be like, what the fuck are you (laughs) doing? What are you doing? No, no, no. That's not what I was saying at all. And if you read, I mean, if you really read his parables... Um, Which, again, like those are like secondhand accounts of what he actually said. But even then, even the fact that they're secondhand accounts, like there's still so much in there that points to like this is a roadmap for you to connect to God and not through Jesus as a person, but through just like the divinity that lives within you and like how to connect to that. Uh, And so, like, I I don't know, Acts is so interesting because we're, like, seeing the seeds of the early church and we're already seeing sort of this, like, anthropomorphizing of Jesus, anthropomorphizing of God, um, and this, like, weird understanding of sort of salvation and, like, what it means to be a Christian and how you have to, like, believe in the divinity of this man who lived as opposed to... Um, and and again, like, I think even in Acts, like, even what, what these prophets were teaching, maybe at the time, like, it was different. Maybe they were talking more about what we're talking about, about how there was this man who lived, who was enlightened, who, like, laid out a roadmap. And we should just aspire time, to be him,
1: like him. Yeah, and,
0: yeah, yeah. And just maybe over time, it just got, it got super fucky. But um, it is interesting to see already how, like... I'm reading cer- certain verses in here where just, like, with my Christian upbringing, I'm just like, oh, yeah, this is shit that was parroted at me that, uh, yeah, led me to believe, like, the only way to live my life is to accept Jesus into my heart, quote-unquote, and, uh, you know, allow him to give me salvation. Whatever the fuck that means. But that means uh. nothing. Nothing. That's such a weak, it's such a weak version of religion to be like, just believe in the divinity of this person and then you're saved. Like, it's so, it's, it's, I don't know. It's so weak compared to uh, show up for your own shit and recognize your own bullshit and do your own shadow work and like, yeah, strive to become as close to the divine as you can. And here's a person who, like, sorted, who did that.
1: Yeah. I think it's kind of fucked, too, because I think you, like, when you tell somebody that, you know, that that salvation is supposed to just, like, be within you, I feel like you create a lot of expectations for that. It's, like, people, too, and they start even feeling, like, some emptiness, like, they're not feeling the right thing, like, the, the Holy Spirit isn't hitting them or something, you know, like, there's the whole weight of it that way, too
0: for sure
1: and and then just feeling sure. feeling guilty of like witnessing maybe your peers uh Claiming that they have reached the holy, right. sp- you know, reached that with salvation their, with
0: their hands raised high as they worship to this bullshit like music or whatever,
1: and and like no, you know, no shots at anybody that genuinely feels compelled to like, you know, put their hands in the air or some shit while they're yeah, having worship some worship is a real thing. Experience. Worship is a real thing for sure. But I do think like when you're in a group like that, like you are. Like, there's some social pressure. Yeah, there's definitely some pressures to, like, want to do the same thing. And maybe you do that just to look like you are feeling it as well. Like, I've been to so many you know like growing up catholic meant that everyone like since it was like a loose thing sometimes i would go to like a christian church service with my mom if it was just like more convenient or if we just had other friends there so like it was more of just like the idea of like hey we should go to this thing on sunday and like hear hear someone's sermon or whatever and like i would end up going to a lot of junior high christian youth nights you know the big mega church thing and you know there's like a lot of those nights whereas you know during worship you fucking put your hands up in the air because everybody else is you know
0: absolutely uh, just one more thing i wanted to bring up around that conversation i listened to with with dustin and, and reza today um where Reza talks about sort of just the conception of, like, um, hell and heaven. And I think this is a bit reductionist, but I think there's, there's some value in, in diving into it and discussing it and thinking about it. Uh, and basically, he said that, you know, if that is your moral code, is uh, that you, like, your life here on Earth exists so that you can get into heaven and everything that you do is so that you can achieve that, then you're basically no different than a five-year-old who their reward for eating dinner is that they get a cookie afterwards. Yeah. And that's, again, I think that's a bit reductionist because we're talking about eternity in heaven, and so, like, you know, it's a little bit different. But I think, I think he's right in the sense that, like, there's an important distinction between choosing to do what's right just because it's the right fucking thing and choosing to do what's right because it's what's going to save you
1: yeah that kind of uh i feel like takes away some of the meaning of your life if you're looking at absolutely. it absolutely that way and obviously like yeah i don't know we've also preached that people have to live their path so if that's somebody's path in doing so they're gonna you know figure it out but yeah it's interesting that that's i think that's like a pretty great way to simplify it though and yeah you know that whole situation and um it's funny um my girlfriend just asked me the other day she's like do you believe in heaven <laughs> you know and uh, just kind of having that conversation and uh it's it's interesting kind of like what this kind of doing this last three plus months now with you of talking about the Bible and, and examining some of that stuff. One of the things that we have talked a few times about is like the idea of heaven on earth getting really overlooked. Mm -hmm. And like, I kind of was just like at that point with it, where when she asked me if I believe in heaven, I'm just like, yo, like, yes, the mystical side of me really wants to believe that there is some like magical afterlife. But I think like, I'm, Really, just like trying to dial in at this point, like what heaven on earth looks like for me. Like, what is
0: heaven in the now?
1: What is yeah, like how do I achieve like my flow state and where I'm like very happy and present in my current situation? Sure. And hopefully, like that will lead, like, hopefully, I you know, will lead to that heaven and I can worry about that part then. But I think my mindset on that is just definitely like a little affected by like examining some of that for sure.
0: Oh, absolutely. I, I may have talked about this before, but I'll never forget this, uh, this dude who I knew very briefly my freshman year of high school. I think he was a junior. Um, he had like just moved from India and I lived in like a small town in Colorado, you know, a town of like fifteen twenty thousand 20,000 people. So I went to a fairly small high school um you know it was maybe like 1500 kids at that high school um and yeah this kid it was a very white white town so this kid is like a total fish out of water um he's very indian because he's like just moved here from india but he was super smart and very sweet and we had a we had a class together and like he's we became friends and he sort of glommed on to me because you know he didn't have a ton of friends. And I, at the time I was, uh, you know, I was, I, I wanted to like, the Christian side of me was like, well, like, you know, I, I need to be like nice to him and friendly with him and whatever. The truth is, is like, I was sort of annoyed by him and, uh, didn't love having him around. Uh, and I'm sure there's tons of shit to unpack there. Uh, there's certainly like some, sort of like institutional, like racism that was like brought up within me. Um, that was, that was pushing on that. But, um, all of that aside, like we were still buddies. We hung out every day. We ate lunch every day. Um, and I remember at one point he looked at me and he was like, you know, what are, what are your thoughts on heaven and hell? And he was sort of baiting me. Um, and I gave him probably like a pretty stock Christian answer but I'll never forget what he what he told me in that hold, moment.
1: Hold on. What what do you think what do you think your stock Christian answer was at that point? Like a ballpark description of your understanding at that point. Or like what you would tell somebody.
0: Yeah, so I was like 14 or 15 at the time, and I think I probably just said like, you know, heaven is a place for those who um have lived a good, like solid a solid life, worthy in life, line, in line with in line with God for and sure. and what He wants for you. And hell is for those who didn't. And like yeah. that was that was my understanding at the time. Like I definitely believed in the existence of those places at that time. Um, and he looked at me and he was like, "I think heaven and hell are here on Earth, and I think that everyone is either living is living in." Um, heaven or hell or somewhere in between at any given moment, Um, but that heaven is to be had here now or hell is to be had here now, and it just depends on like how you're living your life. And to me at the time, that sounded like fucking nonsense. Yeah, I just I literally let it roll off my shoulders and was just like, you're speaking a different language. And you sound like an idiot. And now I look back and I'm just like, holy shit. What a wise fucking 16-year-old kid.
1: Yeah, man. Tapped uh, into some
0: real shit. And, and not surprisingly because he was Indian. He was spiritual. You know, he was raised in the Hindu faith. And I think that he, like, he was tapped into, like, sort of the more mystical understanding of spirituality and life and, and, and all that shit. And, like, yeah, it was amazing that he was trying so hard to pass that message to me, to this conservative Christian kid, um, that he saw something in me that he wanted to relay that to me. Um, and again, at the time I totally wrote it off, but I've never forgotten it. Um, and I think it's something that I've like come back to a few times because I really, as much as I was like sort of put off by that guy and felt annoyed by him, there was a beauty in him and a kindness in him that i always really loved and that's why i like kept hanging out with him even though he was so different from me and we had really nothing in common um but yeah i'll never forget that conversation that we had and that thing that he said to me because yeah even looking back on it now like more than double my life later um yeah it was some pretty pretty incredible wisdom
1: yeah, dude, that's wild. I wish we I I think we should try to figure out how to contact him to uh to have him on the on dude, the I, pro on the podcast here. I yeah. fucking
0: wish. I don't That'd know. would be amazing. He was there for he was there for like 7 months and then he was gone.
1: That's wild.
0: Yeah. So who knows? Maybe he was a fucking maybe he was an angel.
1: Yeah, man. I don't know. It's it's interesting that like just you know, people get hip to some pretty large, like bigger concepts at pretty young ages. And I wasn't really like necessarily one of those people, you know, like yeah. when 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 we had my cousin on, you know, like a few weeks back and he's like yeah. talking about all this shit that he absorbed during high school. Yeah. I was, I was like, just what? like, and, and that's kind of always been my thing with, with Rob, you know, like I've always admired him being like. Ahead of my timeline in some ways, of just being like, "Yo, dude, it's really cool that you figured these things out." Probably anywhere from like five to seven years ahead of me, and I think that that's like very cool, and and I always admire that in people. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, I remember kind of like when you're speaking like that heaven and hell thing, just like being this this different concept than you even understood, but. I got into Bad Religion um, pretty heavy towards the end of high school and a lot of punk rock stuff, like like a lot of, like, fuck politics, you know, fuck government, punk rock during, like, junior and senior year. And, like, one of those bands was Bad Religion for sure. And uh, they have this song called Fuck Armageddon, This Is Hell. And I think that that was, like, one of those, like, groundbreaking, like, concepts to me of, like, whoa, like yeah maybe hell is just like on earth like if if it's you know if the the Mm -hmm. environment is there then you are just
0: living in that hell and sure well and it's interesting like even with my uh and and actually to go back to your previous question my stock answer about heaven and hell might have been because this is sort of what was taught to me um, was that like heaven was union with God and hell was disconnection from God. But I thought of those as like physical places, right? Yeah. So after you die, you get one of those two, uh, But in a more mystical sense, like here on earth, yeah, heaven is union with God, which you can really only tap into like when you're fully in the present moment and like connected to everything. And hell it are all the other moments where like you're disconnected from that.
1: Yeah, I mean, how many moments have you had in your life where you're just saying to yourself, how could, like, hell be any worse than this moment, you know? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I don't know, man.
0: For sure. Well, that seems like maybe a good place to uh, to put a bookend in, because the, the next shit that we're going to get into is Saul's Conversion, which is a pretty, like... Moment, yeah, so. it's a
1: it's a hefty thing. It takes a definitely takes a turn here. Um, for full transparency, I almost bailed on this week of Bible buds because I haven't been feeling great. But I do want to tell you that I. Um, I am stoked that the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, "You know what, young Daniel? You move forward and you, you have this discussion with your with your bud Andrew today, because uh, I I really enjoyed this hang and it is definitely uh, it has lifted my spirits. Like I was I've I've had a pretty fucking shitty day apart from like you know I'm not feeling terrible, so I'm not I'm not I've obviously I don't know." hopefully i've i've given the listeners something decent in my uh in my illness here but uh it's just spending like a fuck day at work, like things at the day job are like really busy due to like Mother's sure. Day and graduation and nurses day you know, people are trying to show mad love for nurses right now and the whole medical field because of all the You're their... making a lot of cakes. Yeah, dude, it's just it's just really gnarly. So I'm I am uh, I'm really pleased that I decided to uh to hang with you again and do this because I I really enjoyed this chat. I feel like this is like definitely one of our better uh, duo, duo chats, for sure. Fuck
0: yeah. Yeah, me too, man. I'm glad you decided to do it. Um, and I hope you feel better. And I hope that, uh, you know, once once you get through this weekend, you have a moment to, to experience some heaven.
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. That's the idea. And um, yeah, thanks to all the people that have been checking this thing out. We'll have some more guests coming at you probably in the next couple weeks.
0: For the love of God, someone send us an email. Yeah, please send us an email or a
1: DM. I'll put the links in the episode notes. Uh, hope you all are well, Stay sane out there, reading your Bibles or whatever you're doing. Whatever your fucking Jesus thing is, well, I hope you're tapping into that. And if you're not, then that's cool, too. You can do that as well. That's, no doubt. It's your choice. Uh, I hope you're choosing to smoke, pray, and love, though, for sure.
0: Hell yeah. <laughs> fucking, <laughs> fucking bless up. Bless up. Oh,
1: <laughs> yeah.